Okay, we're going to try today. We are going to try. Who wants to try with me? Anyone else out there that's like willing to try? We're going to try. <sighs> Deep breaths. That's what I've been doing a lot of lately. I have a tale of great disappointment to tell you all to just get this started on the right track. We've got a listener question that I deeply relate to. So it's a little bit of blind leading the blind. And I'm going to tell you some things that I've been learning this week, which means that I am not depressed and I am not anxious because I am in learning mode, which is great. That's what we're doing today. Welcome to Totally Normal. I'm your host, Lindsay Chrysler. I love talking about love lives. I love coaching people on their love life, but I also love just chatting about it and normalizing things that seem like, is this bad? Is this not right? Should it be easier? Should it be like more picture perfect? Obviously no. And I like normalizing the things that are difficult for us so that we can move beyond the shame and the isolation stage and into the uh, being with ourselves stage, the problem solving stage, the figuring out what we need and want and moving forward stage. That's what we do here. So if you have a question, you can always email me. If you have a situation and you don't even know the question, you just need to tell somebody your situation and have it be anonymously spoken to, you can do that. Just email the totally normal show at gmail.com. You can also subscribe on Substack. That's where episodes get posted first. That's where you can comment on things. That's where you can talk to me. That's where you can send me messages. That's where you can interact with me as well. So either subscribe on Substack or email the totally normal show at gmail.com. In fact, why don't you do both after you listen to this? Why don't you do both? That would help me so much in my infancy stage of the podcast. Okay. First, I just have to air my disappointment. So as some of you know, did I talk about my fear of falling? I'm going to have to remember what I talk about. How do people remember what they've talked about on last episodes? Do people write things down? That seems crazy. Anytime I think of some way that I could be more organized, I go into the performance of Crazy Messy Girl. Oh my God, writing down, being on time. Uh. So there's there's my little performance act about being a messy person. It just gets you out of lots of little sticky situations where you have to be responsible. Okay, so I hired a personal trainer to work with me on my fear of falling, as some of you know. It comes up a lot when I hang out with toddlers and I'm on the jungle gym and I'm like, you are going to die. Not helpful. It's not a helpful stance as you're watching a toddler explore the jungle gym with great joy in their eyes and constantly thinking that they're going to die or fall and break a bone and it's going to be your fault. I notice it there. And then I notice that when we do acrobatics in my movement class, like people are flying around the room doing cartwheels and I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to break all my bones. I can't do this. So I'm working on my fear. I'm working on my fear. A big thing that we did when we were working on my fear is just keep taking deep breaths and pay attention to my nervous system. Genius, right? That's all we care about now the days, breathing and nervous system. So then or this weekend, I decide last minute to commit to my Halloween party. I'm having a very casual, kid-friendly holiday party, and I'm really walking the line of decor that is creepy and Halloween. Like I want it to have the essence of Halloween, but not to like completely traumatize the children because there's three-year-olds coming over because all my friends have three-year-olds now. Okay, so I commit. I commit to having the party. I send out the invites. Big deal. Then, because it's important. It's important that we gather. It's important. I have a mentor that's always talking about gathering in people's houses and how important it is. It's important. And if you're lonely, you should throw a party. So anyway, I commit to the party. And then yesterday I was like, okay, I'm going to start decor. 
So I climb my ladder and I hang my Christmas lights, which are slightly orange tinted, which has always kind of bothered me for Christmas, but they can be reused. They could be used for Halloween. I realize because they're kind of orange. I bought them on Amazon like a couple years ago. I don't know what I was really thinking. Regrets. Does anyone else struggle with regrets, especially around purchasing things? These are all very like indulgent problems. I, this is not a podcast. This is not actually a big problem, what I'm about to say. But I get on the ladder. I'm hanging lights on a tree. If you've ever hung lights on a tree, it's labor. It's labor. You have to like wind them around. You have to untangle them. You have to like brace yourself as you like throw the line around the tree and you have to wrap it around the tree branches. So I'm up on a ladder. I would say for a solid two hours, I am on the ladder wrapping my tree in my front yard with lights. Then the very end, I throw the lights down onto the ground because it's like getting heavy and I realize that I can unwrap them and then they all get tangled. And so I'm in a half an hour tangle. So now we're up to two and a half hours of my Sunday. And then I realize, and then I'm like finally done. Like I wrap the final string around the trunk. I go to plug them in and I realize that the plug part has snapped off from the rest of the line of the lights. Deep disappointment. And in the past, I probably would have cried. I probably would have freaked out. That would have been too much, too much of a waste of my time. I hate wasting time. I think because I was doing my homework of breathing when I was up on that ladder, I held my chest several times when I was up on the ladder. I was like, you're safe. You can do this. I was breathing. I was breathing. I was breathing. I think because I was breathing so much during the whole experience that I actually handled it pretty well. Life cannot be always comfortable. It cannot be always wins. It also cannot always be just like depressing anxiety and like lazy lump. Sometimes as you take efforts and it's disappointing, the results are more than disappointing, just like total waste, total fail. Okay, take a deep breath, keep going on with the show. So that's my Halloween lights decor fiasco. I've been learning a lot this week around my personality. I'm in Enneagram 7, so I am in like a textbook learning moment about my personality around always, always, always planning the future and then as a result, missing the moment. And the moment right now, this moment, with yourself, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you take a really deep breath right now, this moment has nutrients for us. This moment, especially if you can let go of the part of you that needs to get something, that needs to fix something, that needs to do something, that is worrying about something that already happened, all the ways that all the parts of ourselves take us out of the moment where nothing has to happen. There are nutrients in this moment. I personally cannot be there all the time. I have so much resistance. I meditated this morning and I had so much resistance to just be in the nutrient dense moment of grace and peace and always being there for you. Always there. The part of you that is always there. The part of you that is behind all the noise and all the personality traits and all the actions and all the things. So I learned about this again in my little Zen Sangha on Sunday. It was so sweet. We went to the Zen Sangha and we sat and, we, and they talked about this and it was really, really helpful. And it came at the perfect time because all week I've been working on this part of me that's always taking the beauty of the moment and then trying to make something out of it. I think it's the one of the shadows of the coaching industry is like we are always trying to be better and trying to better ourselves. And then we miss who we actually are, who is not the person who's trying. 
You know what I mean? I've been working on this all week. Like something really sweet will happen with the dogs or with Robbie or I'll have like a great moment in class or I'll have a great moment with a client. And then my immediate next thought is how do I have this all the time? That's my personality. My personality is always like, how do I have this all the time? And it's very self-focused. What ends up happening is I have a huge to-do list all the time. I nag my partner all the time. I have, I make him have a huge to-do list and I hear about people's painful situations and I want to problem solve and get them out of it. I'm working on not doing it. I'm working on being in my life, not having to buy something on Amazon to make it better not having to add on another practice, not having, you know, not having to do, have like a million things to do on my Saturday, but actually being in my life, listening for what's next, experiencing more grace. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been learning about this week. I don't want to miss it. That's a worry right there. So that part of me worried about missing it. I don't want to waste it. Worried, worried about the past, worried about the future. And then there's this place underneath it all that just knows everything's fine. We're all good. Things are going to happen. Things are not going to not happen. You're going to get asked for stuff. You're going to have to ask for stuff. That gets into my listener question today. Things are going to happen. And beneath all of the, the noise, the chaos, the movement, the amazing like little pockets of life that spring up or the depression or the anxiety or the not feeling like a part of life, below it all is a part of us that always knows we are okay. So everything else we do on top of this podcast is just gravy. So let's get into the listener question. God help us. I mean, this is um, my own question kind of. Okay, but it's not. I, I swear I didn't write it. Dear TTNS, we have a first abbreviation from a listener. Thank you very much. That's very exciting. TTNS, totally normal. Oh, the totally normal show. I was like, uh-oh, the abbreviation's wrong. The totally normal show. Okay, I love that. I love that. TTNS. I hate asking for help. I hate even needing to ask for help. Bing, ding, ding, ding. Hello, that's me. And when I get help, I am overly grateful and apologetic for it. Why is it so hard to ask a partner for help and any tricks to make it easier? Gracias. Okay, a little Espanol abbreviations. I'm loving this. First off, I think we have to look at why we hate even needing to ask for help. So the internal thing that's going on for us before it gets into like the asking and the negotiation and the response and all of that, because that is not totally under our control. But the thing we have control over is looking at why is asking for help the worst? Yeah. We have a judgment about ourselves of being needy, weak, little babies that need help, right? We have something mean. There's something mean we're saying about ourselves. I don't know. Weak babies. Does that resonate? There's also wanting to not owe anyone anything. So there's a certain intimacy to asking for help and there's an entanglement that can get in there. There's an enmeshment that can get in there. There's like needing people is this way that we then are in relationship with people. So not needing help, not asking for help, not needing help is a lie. By the way, we're all lying when we say we don't need help. We could always use help. It's what we think about needing help and how we ask for it and how we get it that is kind of gets into the sticky situation. But if anyone is out there being like, I don't really need help, that's a lie. What they really mean is I don't want to be in relationship with anyone right now. I want to be alone and I'm scared to get into the drama of relationship or I'm pessimistic about how it's going to go or 
I don't even feel connected to myself enough to know what it specifically is. So it's totally a waste of everybody's time. And then I'm going to get into the weeds with somebody about it. But saying that you don't need help, then we're lying. We all could use help. I'm like, okay, what could I use help with right now? I could use help with like my setup. I'm in the closet and like something's going on with my ankle. And like if somebody came in and was like, can I help you with your podcast setup? I'd be like, that would be great. Can I help you set up a little studio? That would be so great. What else? I could totally use some help making some breakfast for me right now. I haven't had breakfast yet. That would be lovely. I could myself set up the podcast studio. I probably will. I could make myself breakfast. I probably will. Even if you're alone, there's no hope of somebody coming to make you breakfast, right? Can still think of ways where it would be helpful for somebody to do something for you. A back rub, a a gift certificate to an amazing massage place, plan a vacation for you, Uh, have a really deep conversation about your role in the world, about your desires for the next five to 10 years. Maybe that would be really helpful. Somebody to walk your dog, somebody to book you the appointment, somebody to go and return that goddamn shit that you should not have ordered. Okay, now we're getting into all my needs. But do you see, I think the first step before you bring it into partnership, because partnership is where things go bad. Partnership is where you're dealing with somebody else's stuff. And if your partner is really good at asking for help, they're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad you're asking for help. Oh, my God. You know, they can be really self-righteous about it. Or if they're really bad at asking for help, like you, maybe you met your match, then they're going to be like triggered by you asking for help. I mean, they're going to be like, okay, let me do it for you. And then they're going to be like, what do I need? I'm resentful and I have needs. So you get into partnership. You get into asking people for stuff. Oh boy, this is where the advanced practice comes. So I would say beginner practice, beginner yoga class right now is going inside and asking, what do I need help with? And you're not going to ask anyone for these things. I just need you to recognize what you need help with. What would be nice? And maybe a better question is, what do you need? Is what would be really nice? What would be just an unexpected delight today? What would be something helpful? Not necessarily going to happen, but what would be a helpful thing today? And you know what? You'll probably get the same answers every single day, but you're starting to recognize need. Then you want to get specific. So just make sure that when you ask yourself what you like in the beginning, it's like, oh, I need sleep. I need food. I need more creativity, right? Those are general things. And then you're going to have to go really specific. So if I, if you need more creativity, I need a new art class that is easy to take and doesn't require me to go buy a lot of supplies, maybe like something like that, or I need more creativity. I need a creativity buddy. I need a creativity group, or I need to have some time to read fantasy novels because that really inspires me, whatever it is. So if your needs are general, definitely go try practicing going more and more specific. Okay. That's the first step. And just being with those needs. And if you still have judgment about being a needy baby, desirous, self-centered diva, then you work with that. Who is saying that about you? And is that your voice or is that your mom's or your grandma's voice? Because us women, if you're a woman, Um, I just assume all my listeners are women. (laughs) I don't know. If you're a woman, there's a way that you have to not have a lot of needs. And if you're a man, oh my God, no needs, McGee. I mean, I guess we're all just taught not to have a lot of needs. I guess some of us might be really good at asking for your needs and it's probably a turnoff to the rest of us that are terrible at asking for what we need. If you're really good at asking for what you need, you might've noticed that it really turns people off. 
that's either because there's not enough self-responsibility in you, right? It's like a damsel in distress. It's like a broken winged bird thing, or you are triggering and activating other people's lack of knowing their own needs. So it's one of those two. Good luck figuring that out. I don't know how you figure that out. I guess you ask for some reflection from honest people. Anyway, that's another podcast. Asking for reflection. Oh God. So first thing is recognizing your own needs with no expectation of asking for it. Recognizing your judgments around the part of you that needs, right? The part of you that needs, and then loving that part of you that needs being a healthy parent. Because if you had a child come to you and they said, I need some help. There's a, um, my goddaughter, sometimes she'll be like, I need some support. It's the cutest thing ever. Her mom taught her that. Like you would never be like, no, you can do this on your own. Like there's still parts of us that like need support and people can say, no, don't worry about that. You just need to be kind to the part of you that needs. Okay. We know this, right? Okay. Next step, asking. So if you're a real stoic, self-reliant person, you are going to have to ask eventually for a need. You're going to identify a need eventually, hopefully not too late, not like after you've already like injured yourself or gotten sick or created so much resentment in your relationship or, um, you know, like hopefully not before it's too late. But at a certain point, usually it's at a breaking point, you're going to identify a need. So usually, like what would be ideal is in a calm, grounded, regulated state, say, hey, I'm recognizing some things that I need when would be a good time to talk about that? And they'll say, now, tell me now. Or they'll be like, I'm actually really stressed right now. Can we do it tomorrow? Great. So it's asking when you can chat about it. Now, what will most likely happen is you'll ask for a need in a really dysregulated, exhausted, resentful state. That's okay. You're going to get it out and then you're going to have to go back and clean up some of the way that you delivered it later. No problem. We do that all the time. No problem. So either in a crazy state or post crazy state, somehow you're going to get regulated and you're going to get grounded and you're going to say, can I share with you some of my needs? And they're going to say, yes. And you're going to say, I need some time by myself every morning. I need to go on a romantic date once a month. It doesn't need to be every week, but once a month I need to feel special and beautiful and I want to get dressed up a little bit and I want you to get dressed up a little bit and I want to go somewhere that we haven't been and just let my brain have a new activity with you to get out of our normal thing. Or if you're starting to date somebody, so here's what I need to keep going forward and to keep having fun is I need to know if you're going offline. If you are going to go away for a week, if you're not going to be around, if you're not going to be need you to tell me, hey, I'm going away for a week. I won't be in text communication for a little while, but I'll text you when I get back. Right. Something like that. Or I need you to let me know if you're dating other people. I understand you probably are dating other people, but I need to know if before we are intimate, if you are dating other people and sleeping with other people, right? Something like that. When I say it like that, can you hear like, it's just fine. They can either say yes or no, right? Or like, maybe, let me think about that. Or they can negotiate. Well, I don't know if I'll remember to text you every time I'm going away, or I want to let you know about dating other people, but I'm nervous about what that's going to do to our relationship. So I don't know if I can do that. That sounds that sounds really scary or something like that. Or if you're in long-term partnership, you know, I want to go on a date once a month, but like I also need to feel special. 
And so I could totally take you on a date once a month, but I really need a lot of gratitude at the end because it's hard for me to think of new things to do. And I need like a lot of support and appreciation for trying. So it can go, yes, I can do that easily. Let me do that. It can be a no. I don't feel comfortable with that. That's not my strong suit. What else can we do? Or it's negotiation. Yeah, but I need some support, blah, blah, blah. So that's what's going to happen when you act like a grounded, mature person asking for what you need. If you are totally dysregulated, it might turn into a fight. Don't use that as a reason to not ask for what you need anymore. It just means you need to get regulated and ask again. I notice, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I notice with my partner, when we ask for what we need, sometimes we go into this like regressed tone, like, okay, so what I really need is, and it just feels like we're going to barf when we ask. It's okay. That's all right. Just get it out. It's fine. If your tone is not, you know, be, be generous with the other person. Also, if your partner comes to you asking for what they need, take deep breaths. Yes. No. Negotiate. Maybe don't be an immediate. Yes. And then later regret it. And don't be an immediate no if you can. Like try to just like breathe and see see where you're actually at with the request. Oh, and then you're overly grateful and apologetic. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> just one simple thank you. So that points to this thing that I learned about from my teacher Carl Bukite in Marin. Um, and he learned it from Bert Hellinger's book. That is about guilt and innocence. So when somebody does something nice for you, you have the guilt. They have the innocence. You have to always remember, it's better to live in a world where there's no guilt and there's no innocence. We don't need to compete for these resources. Actually, everyone is just being together and everyone is doing things. There's an equal give and take. It all works out. Deep breaths. But if somebody's really addicted to being innocent and always giving, always giving, always caretaking, always offering, always taking care of somebody else's needs, that when they get their cup a little bit filled, they're going to feel very uncomfortable because they're used to the scales being tipped in a certain way. And when they start to balance out, that's going to feel unsafe and uncomfortable. You're going to feel, especially if you come from a family of resentment or dysfunction or enmeshment, you're going to feel very uncomfortable when things start to feel balanced. And you have to watch out for that. You can't overly apologize. You can't immediately throw the hot potato back and say, okay, now what can I do for you? You have to actually breathe and take in the nutrients of being helped and being seen and being supported and trust that a more balanced give and take is actually going to be healthier for you on the long run. And this can be your new normal. You just have to breathe through it and get over it. And one gratitude, one appreciation, and that is it. Okay. So it's all practice. It's all practice. It's all practice. I hope this did not get too complex for you, but that's my answer. And you are so not alone. I hope you all have a really wonderful rest of your time on this day, wherever you are in your day, write in your situation. I love hearing about it. I will keep it anonymous. The totally normal show at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Substack. You can rate this podcast on Spotify or on Apple iTunes. That would be wonderful. And I will see you all next time. Mwah, mwah, mwah.